0: Hello, this is Tim Convoy, the pastor of New Life Community Church located in Nashville, Indiana. I'd like to thank you for visiting our podcast, and I trust that God will just bless you and encourage you and speak to your heart as you listen to this message. Thank you again for joining us, and God bless you. So with that, if you would, open up your Bibles to Ecclesiastes 3. You know it is the end of 2015, almost, And typical, when you begin to talk about time and seasons and transitions, we always read from Ecclesiastes 3, the first eight verses. I'm going to read them, and I'm going to share a little story. Time for everything. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Father, we just thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the wisdom uh, that you give men to write. And Father, thank you for King Solomon's words and that they would give us encouragement and guidance and direction. And and Father, we we are so grateful for that. And so we ask that you uh, would move before us this morning, that you would speak to our hearts, uh, that you would get into what you need to get into inside of us, so that we can grow and go with what you have for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. You know, I I read that because, I'll be honest with you, when I used to read that, it was incredibly boring, and um, it was the... uh, blah 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 lots of words lots of words about time and you know what time doesn't seem to really be that big of a deal to me as when I was a younger man but about a year ago uh, about this time maybe a little a little more a little less somewhere these words really began to speak to me in a different way and uh, I had um, been a youth leader for uh, many many years uh, here at new life uh, there was a season when I was called away, and I served uh, at Hoosier Harvest Church, and um, every time that I would, uh, it would kind of get to a point where someone was asking me to really step up and take lead, um, I, I just wouldn't. I didn't, and uh, and there came a point in time where we f- my wife and I felt like that God was calling us back to new life, uh, to come lead worship, or worship, to lead youth, and um, it was, it was an awkward moment at that time because we weren't ready to leave um, but we had never said that we were done at New Life. New Life has always been our home. Our hearts were always here but we just had a a season where we we didn't know what was going on and we felt called to come back and um, we came back and we jumped into a leadership position of really leading youth not on staff, not as a paid, but a volunteer. I've been a, an unpaid volunteer like many of you have in different positions, but I really was focused on youth ministry and junior high ministry and really stayed that course. And I love kids. I believe in, I believe in our young uh, kids. I believe that they have a future that they don't even realize. Uh, I believe that empathy, uh, apathy is running rampant in our young people, and I believe that it's running rampant because of our, young, our older generations are not willing to um, uh, commit to them and pour into them the way that they should, but that's another message for another time. But with that, knowing that I love kids, um, how much we love being in student ministry, uh, a little over about a year and a half ago, almost two years, my wife and I began to sense that there was a change coming. There was a season of transition for us. Uh, and we were we were praying like crazy not that we aren't always but you know we were really praying at that moment and like god what do you have for us and in fact is we had different words coming to us Uh, we had had a couple of different people from different regions of the country and um, you know saying things you know like if you want to if you feel called to plant a church man we will help get you resources we'll get you plugged in with someone Um, you know we'll we can help you with that and we began to pray, okay, God, are you calling us away and to go do that? And we felt like we weren't supposed to do that. And we began to say, well, okay, you know, maybe we're just going to step out of youth ministry for a while and we're going to go do something else. Um, We're just going to go somewhere. Maybe we're just going to go somewhere and kind of, you know, disappear for a little bit because we're always really busy and kind of at the front of what's going on. And so we thought, well, maybe that's a season that's about to come up. And we, we really just weren't sure. In fact, is I approached some of our young adult leaders and said, hey, do you—I was actually—I really wasn't asking God. I was kind of probing them and saying, hey, do you feel like God's calling you to begin to lead our youth group now? And, you know, and in fact, as one of them said, yeah, yeah, I think I am. And, and then, like, within a month, um, he actually left our youth group, and he left the church, and he went on to do another ministry that God called him to. It was really cool, but I was kind of like, dude, you said you were going to take over the ministry, and now you're not here what the heck does that mean? And um, and so we still we just continued to pray about this and pray about this and pray about it. And we felt like God was transitioning and taking us to a new season. And and then I I was talking to Tim one day. It was kind of in passing, in between services. He was trying to get a cup of coffee real quick, and he's like, "Hey, we need to we need to get together pretty soon." And I'm like, "Oh, that'd be great. I love meeting with him, and I love meeting coming in and talking to the elders and casting vision for what we wanted to do with youth and um, so I was like, yeah, man, I'm all excited about that. I'm ready to do that. And, and uh, he said, well, holidays, we'll, we'll wait till afterwards. And, uh, you know, we'll let the new year roll in and we'll get together. And I'm like, okay, that yeah, sounds good. That sounds great. And two days later, he texts me. He's like, no, nah, we need to meet now. And when you get that kind of text, you're like, I'm just a volunteer, man. You can't fire me. And, and so I'm like, okay, well, let's see if I can push off the meeting a little bit. because I'm working on the north side of Indianapolis. We're living in Greenwood. And I'm like, oh, I really hate for you to drive all the way up here. How about if we wait till the weekend? I'll meet you. And he's like, no, we need to meet. I'll come all the way up there. I'm like, okay, all right, that, that's good. Of course, now I'm telling my wife, you know, and she's, she's like, oh, are we getting fired? We're volunteers, you know. And I said, nah, I don't know, you know, maybe. And, and so... Um, So we meet, he shows up, and he brings his wife. He brings Jerry. And that was a little different. I wasn't prepared for that. And then, you know, so I was like, oh, well, hey, Jerry, you know, I'm glad glad you're with him. And he said, well, you know, I I I brought her, you know, female tends to, you know, deliver the blow a little better. And I'm like, what? Okay. So we sit down, we're making small talk, and, um, you know, and then finally I'm just like, all right, listen, you... You want to meet let's let's get let's get to it I don't know what's going on but and he starts out with he says well you know in Ecclesiastes 3 talks about all these he said you know there's a time to hire and there's a time to fire (laughs) and in my mind I'm literally going dude I've been doing this free for like 20 years now now you're gonna let me you know so we went through this whole thing and all that to say that when it came around, he said, no, listen, we, we feel like that we're, you're called to come on staff and be our associate pastor. And, and so this passage to me now has a lot more meaning to me because it's kind of coupled with a fear of being fired. <laughs> but it was also a recognition of that um, time is on, based on how you look at it. And I want to share um, a Jewish folklore with, you know, Solomon was deemed one of the um, wisest kings there was. Um, King Solomon, he also suffered from depression. And so if you know anybody that deals with depression, there are these moments of great joy and there's moments of great sorrow. And so this folklore came about um, to kind of talk about how people deal with that, and so One day Solomon decided to humble Benaiah, his most trusted minister. And he said to him, Benaiah, there is a certain ring that I want you to bring to me. I wish to wear it for Sakat, which gives you six months to find it. If it exists anywhere on earth, your majesty, replied Benaiah, I will find it and bring it to you. But what makes this ring so special? It has the ability that if a happy man looks at it, he becomes sad. And if a sad man looks at it, he becomes happy. Solomon knew that no such ring existed in the world, but he wished to give his minister a little taste of humility. Spring passed, and then summer, and still Benaiah had no idea where he could find the ring. And on the night before Sukkot, he decided to have a walk in one of the poorest quarters of Jerusalem. He passed by a merchant who had begun to set out the day's wares on a shabby carpet, have you by any chance heard of a ring that makes the happy wearer forget his joy and the brokenhearted wearer forget his sorrows? asked Benaiah. He watched the grandfather take a plain gold ring from this carpet and engrave something on it. And when Beniah read the words on the ring, his face broke out in a wide smile. That night, the entire city welcomed in the holiday of Sukkot with great festivity. Well, my friend, said Solomon, have you found what I sent you after? All oh, the ministers laughed, and Solomon himself smiled. But to everyone's surprise, Beniah held up a small gold ring and declared, Here it is, your majesty. And as soon as Solomon read the inscription, the smile vanished from his face. The jeweler had written three Hebrew letters on the gold band. And those letters began the words, Which means, This too shall pass. This too shall pass is a concept of time. And it depends on how you're looking at that time. Because there are times when you are looking at things, and they are, they are with sorrow. And there are times that you're looking at, they are filled with joy. There is an element of within you that determines how you view and how you see that. And that is based on two words, anticipation and retrospection. We look at things as an and ant- with anticipation, things that we're living for, things that we're looking towards, or we look at things with retrospection, which means we are dwelling on things in the past. We're dwelling on things that once were. And so the question would be: Today is where are you and that this ring had the ability. When you looked at it, if you were going through a season, if you were going through a tough thing, you, were look, you could look at it and say, this too shall pass and be filled with joy. This moment for King Solomon, the reason why it was so hard on him was is that with all his vast uh, kingdom, with his vast gold and his vast things that he had acquired, the this too shall pass meant that there would be a day when he would be breathing no more. And I think sometimes we get very focused on that, and we forget about that God has something going on. You see, humans have always marked time by significant events. We look at things as significance, and that, that is what creates either anticipation or retrospect. And we've always done that, and that's how we look at time. And so, talking about anticipations... We just came off of a pretty big one that was filled with a ton of anticipation. This thing called Christmas. It is like a major buildup. I mean, the kids can't wait to get out of school. Parents are faced with what things to get and what not to get. And did they get the true meaning of Christmas? And did they meet all their joys and happiness? And they hope they got everything. And man, there is anticipation and retrospect all at the same time. Did we spend too much? Did we not spend enough? Did we spend enough time? Did we see all of our family? But there's an anticipation for Christmas that is unlike none other. Just like summer breaks and fall breaks and spring breaks, right? For when you were a kid, when you were in school, if you can remember what it was like, you could not wait. It seemed like summer break was forever away. It seemed like it was going to take forever to get there. And all of a sudden, once it got there, it was gone. It was like, doggone, now i got to go back to school already, right? That happens all the time. Vacations. I don't know if you've ever had a vacation that you just could not wait to get to. It just seemed like it couldn't come fast enough, right? You're like, I mean, you're like checking off the days, you know, and you're doing everything, and you're just waiting, waiting, waiting. And then it's like the last day of vacation already, and you got to go back to work. It's the anticipation and retrospection. And that retrospection creates this, Um, feeling in you where when something happens, something that you were so waiting for, you could not wait for it to happen. And then once it happens, and all of a sudden it's in the past, then you find yourself going, that really happened two days ago? Did that really happen six months ago? Did that really happen 11 years ago? Churches are real bad about that all the time, right? We do something for the sake of doing it, and then somebody goes, well, why do you do that? I'm like, I don't know, we've just been doing that forever. Well, like, what's forever? Like 30 years. Whoa, where's the anticipation of looking forward? We get caught up in what used to be or what happened or what, what was at any point in time. And in fact, is the older we get, the more milestones we have, the faster they appear to recede, not just hairlines. It seems like things seem to go really fast. And you know, it's funny because I hear this statement all the time. Um, the older you get, the faster time goes. But when you're young, they say the time flies when you're having fun. So which one is it? Is time flying when you're having fun? Or is it because you're getting older, time is going faster? And I don't think it's either. I think it depends on which side of the coin you are looking at time. Are you anticipating for things? Are you in a retrospect mode all the time? I think it's healthy that we go back and forth between the two. We should anticipate, um, and we should also look back. We're going to talk about those two things a little bit. Um, Because my question to you is this, is how will you mark time? It is inevitable that you will mark time. On On the horizontal line of time, you will mark, you will leave a mark of some form. But how will you leave that? Will time be a friend? will it be a foe to you will be a friend that teaches that instructs that is filled with opportunity to walk in the way of love or is it a foe that is a tyrant over you that governs everything that you do that keeps you in fear and keeps you held back from moving forward what is time to you and and how will you mark your time because you know Time is actually heading somewhere. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but time is actually heading somewhere. And so, where do you want to head with it? Where do you want to go with it? I wrote down, He who created time now gives us time as a gift. Have you ever thought about time as a gift? Because sometimes when time goes fast, you don't feel like it was much of a gift. But it is a gift. And what do you do with that gift? I'm going to read a few things. I'm actually going to read some stuff that I wrote down because I really want I want you to hear every word. And I know if I just say it from my heart I'll miss some things and I wrote them down for a reason. So it is with each day of our lives there really is a divine design. Every morning every morning invites us to begin again. The very structure of a 24-hour cycle of each day reveals the goodness of God, of a God who always invites us and empowers us to begin again. Hope is reborn with every sunrise. Every evening invites our honest reflection, expression of gratitude to the Lord who gave us life, repentance for where we fell short, new choices to amend our life and the healing, rejuvenating rest in the Lord which awaits all who live in him. Then... The son invites us to begin again by saying yes to the Lord's choice and an invitation of love. Our time is to be filled with bearing the fruit that remains in the garden of grace called daily living. These truths concerning time can never ever increasingly mean for us as we... I'm sorry, let me back up. These truths concerning time can have ever increasing meaning for us as we grow in the life of grace. They are meant to change us. They invite us into a deeper walk with the Lord and with one another. It is now up to us to respond to the lessons of time and the invitation of faith. Life is a classroom for those who are willing to learn its many lessons. And living faith opens our eyes and shines light on the way. Let's reflect the light. So I have two points that I want to talk about. One is every end is a beginning. You've heard that before. That's not a new term. That's none of you went, wow, mind blown on that one, right? Every end is a beginning, but it's the understanding of how you look at the end and look at the beginning and how you see the two converge and spread apart and how that they stay together, but yet Don't stay together. When you talk about every end is a beginning, and we talk about seasons, we talk about transitions, we talk about places that we are in our life, but lots of times we don't necessarily talk about death because that's a little bit like dark. We don't really want to talk about that. But if we don't understand what death is, physical death, then we don't understand how to walk in our daily life. So I want to talk just a little bit about that. I'm going to read some of my notes. As we move from one year to the next, we also move along in the timeline of human life allotted to each one of us. We age. Some people don't like that word, we age. But there is a reason we age. that's what we learn. It's where we grow. It's how we go. The certainty of our death is meant to illuminate our life. And the certainty of the end of all time and the coming of the Lord is meant to illuminate time's very purpose and fulfillment in Christ. Death can become a second birth for each one of us through living faith. Uh, Francis of Assisi prayed these words. He had a very popular prayer. And it said this. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. And... In that passage, what he was referring to was this, that death was almost like a sister, implying that he had a relationship with it. Understanding what his earthly death meant helped him stay focused on what his um, spiritual death was and how he was supposed to walk out his day-to-day life. Um, Jesus was comforting Martha. He said these words to her in, the, in finding that his friend Lazarus was dead. Um, he said, Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. You can find that in John 11, verses 25 and 26. But the question is, we read that, we know that scripture, but do we believe it? Right? Do we believe it in such a way that it becomes a reality for us. That our every day is able to see those words and understand what it is to be alive in our death in Jesus. Jesus Christ abolished death and brought us eternal life by removing what Paul called the sting. It's essential evil. It's his separation from God and the eternal love, which is communion with God. Jesus robbed death of its power over us through his resurrection. He made the tombstone a stepping stone, a portal to eternal life. You can find that in 1 Corinthians 15. Why am I talking about death? Because I think that it's very important if you understand what physical death is, it actually helps you stay focused on what you're supposed to be doing while you're here. We don't want to talk about this. Sometimes the anticipation of that is overwhelming, and because we get overwhelmed by the anticipation of the end of our days, we, send, we spend too much time looking back at what we didn't accomplish, what we failed to do, what could have been, instead of understanding where we are today. Understanding that God is about the now. God is about Today. He knows what the past is. He's, he was there. He's been there. He knows what the future holds. He knows what our anticipations are going to be. He knows the things that we're supposed to be planning for and prepping for and looking towards. But what he's really focused on is helping us understand that we are to be about today as well. The rising of the sun is a new beginning. It's a new hope for the day. It's not focusing on what happened yesterday. It's learning what happened yesterday. So that today we can do something different falls back to that definition of insanity. It's right doing the same thing over and over and hoping that a different outcome will happen. God's saying, you know, to, that was yesterday. Let's forget about it. Learn from it. Let's move on. I've got something new for you today. Each day is a new beginning. Each season is a new beginning. And the reason why that is is because time is for bearing a harvest for the Lord. Understanding where we are today helps us bear a harvest that we're we're called to bring forth. Paul wrote in uh, Revelation. he, He talked about how we take our harvest with us. He said this. Uh, Revelations 14 said this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, said the Spirit. Let them find rest from their labors for their works accompany them. I'm kind of excited to know that when I get there, the people that I led to Jesus get to accompany with me. And that's what we're called to do. The bearing of the harvest is for us to be focused on today and who do we impact, who do we speak to, Who do we share the gospel with? I loved what Curtis said talking about um, greeting 10 people every day before noon. Maybe you don't see 10 people before noon. But I will say this, that you see people every single day. And we should not be missing the opportunity thinking about what was yesterday, thinking about what might be tomorrow. But today you have an opportunity to bear a harvest. And they get to accompany you. I just think that's really cool. So I'm looking forward to that day. But a time is for bearing a harvest for the Lord. Time is the opportunity for the Christians to bear fruit that remains. Jesus reminds us, It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you, and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain, so that whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he may give you. As I command you, love one another. It's John 15. We decide whether we will use time for bearing good fruit or are used by time as a tyrant who frightens us as we fruitlessly try to resist his claim on our perceived youth. I wrote the word perceived youth because there's one thing that I've noticed over the years in youth ministry is that somewhere along the line, the older generation feels that they're not young anymore and that they have no relevance and they're unable to speak to young people. And I think that is a lie. Because you were young once, you've experienced life. There are things that you can share and there are things that you can talk about. And you have a lot to say to them. The problem is, is that we forget how to talk with them and we talk at them. But perceived youth, you all are still young. You know, eternal time has no relevance on numbers. So it doesn't matter if you're like 5, 55, 105. It'd be crazy to say you're 205. That would be cool. I think it would be anyway. But we decide whether or not we want to use time for bearing good fruit. When time is welcomed as an opportunity to bear fruit of love and holiness, we learn to receive it in love, perceive it as a field of choice, and then build an environment for holiness and happiness in its passing by living differently. We choose to fill our lives with love and pour ourselves out for the, for the God of love. When we live this kind of life, Jesus can find a home within us from which he then continues his redemption mission in time. That's how you mark time. The redemption mission that Jesus has started, we're still continuing. That's how we make our mark. We are on a redemption mission. And if we would lose focus of what was and we would be okay with anticipating what is, but stay focused on what is today, the redemption mission can continue to happen. We would not lose the opportunities to speak into people's lives. We would not lose the opportunities to love on people unconditionally. We would not lose the opportunity for reconciliation. there is a, a Latin phrase that all of you are, I'm sure, very familiar with. In fact is, I, I hope I say it right because everybody knows it, but I just struggle with these words. But carpe diem, which literally means seize the day. When you get up in the morning, where are you? Do you seize the day or does the day seize you? Do we grip the understanding that today someone is on our redemption mission and that there is someone that needs to hear words of encouragement or needs to hear the gospel of encouragement or needs to receive the gift of love? The phrase can take on a whole new meaning. As we always journey towards the day of the Lord when he will return as king. We should seize the day as a reference point. Seizing the day, the sun rising, knowing that there is something to happen today. Anticipating what God will do while retrospecting and remembering what we learned. The ancient Greek writer Seneca wrote, It is not that we have so little time, but that we have wasted so much of it. In fact, as Paul went on to write to Ephesians, in Ephesians 5 he said, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise men and women, but as wise making the most of time. As you consider the timeline, as God is unfolding things in front of you, the words of walking in wisdom so that we won't look back and say how much of it did we waste can be avoided if we will look at each day and say I'll seize today and I will do what you have for me. I will go where you tell me to go. I'll speak to who you want me to speak to. I will take a hold of the day that you've given me. Today's time is a gift from God and we need to do the most we can with that gift. And so as we go into 2016 as we close the chapter on this one Could we instead of dwelling It's cool when they do like the top 100 songs And the top 100 movies and whatever it is that they do of 2015. That's awesome But could we take a moment to reflect and learn And then jump and go And can we be looking forward to what is going on in 2016 I wrote this down, God is the author of time and yet is not subject to time. He is the God of now. He is focused on what is going on today because he knows what has happened and he knows what will happen. He's prepared. He's been preparing us. The question is, is are we ready to do that? So I'm going to ask you to stand and the worship team to come up. I think one very big key to 2016 and to looking at time differently and understanding that you do not have to be stuck in what has happened. You do not have to be fearful of what's going to happen. But there is one very key thing that you need to do, and that is to draw near to him. That is to draw near to what he has for you, Individually and for what he has for us corporately, I want to ask you to just close your eyes. Challenge is we go into this song. A couple things: if there are some fears and concerns, worries about what 2016 holds for you. I would ask that you would let us, let the staff, the elders, ministry teams pray with you. If you are looking at the last year, the last years, if you're looking back at time and filled with regret, I would ask that we could pray with you God has not called you to live in the regret. He has not called you to be fearful. But he has called you to simply draw near to him. And in drawing near to him, you find peace. You find direction. As we go into this song, don't worry about the words. I would ask you to just connect with God connect with the Holy Spirit and, and seek, ask. Hey, the day's still early. it's, it's only a little afternoon. There's still a lot for you to do today. What does God have for you to do? Seize the day, the day is not over just because church is about over. the day is literally just beginning. And so what does He have for you? So as we go into this song, just let them minister to your hearts. You focus on what God has. If anybody comes forward, we'll we'll jump up beside and pray. Elders, ministry teams will jump up here.
1: Draw near to me, for I have drawn near to. I don't know to respond to you. So come on, come on All things are possible here So come on
2: some people in this room today that have dreams that are big, that have been lost or forgotten or shoved underneath the carpet because they seem too big or too hard. I feel like God is saying that 2016 for you is the year of of dreams that are redeemed. They are reclaimed for you and your house. For you and the people that you work with, for you and the people that you serve with, for you and your family, I just want to speak that over you today, 2016 is the year of dreams that are redeemed, because God is in the business of big dreams, right, he is so good and he's so faithful, and nothing is ever too much or too intense or too big or too expensive, Because he is in charge of all of it. So I just want to encourage you today that your dreams have not been forgotten. They've not been lost on God. He is aware of them and he is is working on them behind the scenes where you can't even see right now. And I'm preaching to myself. God is aware of your dreams. He's not forgotten. Father God, thank you for meeting with us this morning, Jesus. Your presence is so sweet. It is life to us. There's nowhere we'd rather be than resting with you in this place right now, Jesus. Thank you for how you're changing our lives, for how you're shaping us, for how you're, you're making our hearts look more like yours. Thank you for your son, God. Thank you for this church body. God, I'm so blessed every Sunday to come in here and be surrounded by people that love you passionately. That's so encouraging. I pray that you would just bless and protect us the rest of the day as we go on our ways and do our different Christmas things and celebrate you, God. I pray that you would be consistently on our minds, that we would just remember you in all things. God, remember your grace and your love and remember to walk like you. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Have a great week. Love you. Celebrate with style. We'll see you next Sunday.